you have to trust your instinct when you feel that oh there is something that people are thinking but not actually saying how do you manage both your kids life and a successful career travel with kids is is very much a muscle where if you haven't done it it's daunting and it becomes more daunting over time the only tip i have for you is like travel with your children don't save it up for some other time down the road because it's never going to get easier america's new royal couple travis kelsey and taylor swift this is a controversial topic if you know the nba thing was controversial just wait until we get this no we should not even go there that is not a pivot for this show that is going to go well and we are back <laughs> Oh, I love this. We are back. Yes, yes. Solo episodes. Solo episodes. That's right. Solo episodes for the win. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another exciting episode of the Arthi and Sriram show. And it has been quite the week and we have quite the episode planned for you uh, this week. I don't know, Arthi, how excited are you for this week? This week, I am really excited. Uh, we are in London and... Uh, you know we we just been watching Band a bunch of James of stuff Bond and Harry Potter <laughs> yeah but but yeah, i want to talk about uh, last week when we put out the solo episode one the reaction just blew us away i think we got like 40 50 comments on just the youtube uh video but then lots of emails reaching out lots of linkedin requests lots of just you know thank you for just people reaching out especially folks who live in london founders who live here you know saying hi helping us get settled in just really appreciate it particularly i think the comments on our the snippet on mba and whether you should get an mba or not i think it really touched a nerve yes. um it I, i think it just evoked a lot of emotions uh what do you think shira uh, well uh, i'm just happy that people with mbas are not prone to violence because otherwise then we might need to <laughs> figure out whether uk has a witness protection program no first of all thank you everyone who left a comment and ka- uh, sent us love and hate and everything in between we appreciate this uh if you'd be so kind also leave a review uh, when you're leaving the comment it also helps us but yeah uh i think the mba episode kind of stuck a uh, a note on a few levels because i think at the heart of it uh, setting aside Yeah, uh, in our opinion on it, it kind of goes to people's sense of identity and the choices they mm-hmm. made. Because a lot of people were like, "Hey, I chose not to have a B school uh, path." Like two of us, some of us were like, "I chose to have a B school path." And so when you kind of open in one of these things, it kind of attacks the sense of identity. So that's uh, one. Yeah, I think so. And and to be clear, we've talked about it only in the context of uh technology, especially around being a founder. It's not so much that we don't like people who have MBAs, like, you know, that's not what we're saying. I think for us, for our, you know, personal careers and paths that we chose, it just didn't make sense in retrospect. And very clear about the retrospect part because all my life I'd been thinking whether I should have just done it. And now A, it's too late. B I think I'm better off without it. Um and so uh, for the path that I chose I think it's uh which is being a founder working in technology which is kind of the only thing that we are good at. I think uh, I don't know if any it was worth. Uh, I think we also got some interesting comments from people who pointed out that there are multiple CEOs in technology uh, who maybe not be founders but who actually had a uh kind of a classic B school McKinsey/consultant uh, path. So that was great. But I think the bigger takeaway was, you know, we loved all the comments and thoughts, and we also came away with like we should do more of these where we uh, yeah. go tackle people's uh, questions. Now we have a bunch to go through this week. Uh, and yeah. Send us your thoughts and comments. But what, what do we have next on the docket today? I saw your tweet, Sharam, and I wanted to talk about it. Right? Oh my um, goodness! 
when somebody opens a conversation with the line, I saw your tweet and I want to talk to you about it. <laughs> it's usually done. No, I, I think you tweeted yesterday and I've been loving these like long form tweets of yours, which are part career advice, part just reflections on, you know, what you've been through. Um, I like it a lot. I think one that you did yesterday was, uh, it, it was I think it was called Saying the Unsaid. Uh, it kind of, it touched a nerve and a lot of people also just like reposted, replied and shared their own experiences and stuff. So talk to me about it. And uh, why did you write this piece? And uh, what was this whole incident? Talk to us about it. Uh, sure. So the the background behind this is I've been trying to get myself out of a writing rut. And the way I've been trying to do it is instead of writing these very long, you know, thought pieces, I've been trying to write like little one-off uh, pieces of advice or anecdotes that I had in my life, uh, kind of tied to, you know, turning a bit older a few weeks ago. And this particular piece was called uh, Saying the Unsaid. And the basic idea behind this is that, you know, one of the pieces of advice that I think I give to people, right, or one of the things where, you know, as I got a bit older, I would reflect back on things that have gone well for me and what was I doing right was when you're in a, in a situation, and this is usually a work situation, but maybe not a work situation, it could be a one-on-one, it could be a group, and you will sometimes have a feeling, right? You will sometimes have a feeling that there is a proverbial elephant in the room, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a proverbial, like, a thing that everyone is thinking about but not talking about, right? Um, mm-hmm. And this can happen money. Let's take a, maybe a simple example of this. So let us say you are, you know, this happened to me. You're someone young in your career, your fears, and you're doing, like, a big group meeting. And I was, I was in this big executive view with a bunch of people. This is for folks, you know, maybe not familiar. Like, you get, like, a really senior executive. And I was at the time, like, a year or two out of college. So I was, like, a, you know, like a nobody. Um, and you would usually be part of this team, which would, you know, be presenting your plans for the, the year or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And in this particular case, this exec, you know, as Microsoft had a little bit of a reputation, you know, for kind of, you know, not being the most pleasant person to deal with at times, right? And um, and we'll get back to the reputation a little bit. And at one time, he was talking about something that he wanted the team to do, where which was kind of very different from our original plans. And I'm kind of keeping this a little vague because I don't want people to go play detective on who I'm talking about, which is one of the problems in previous uh, stories I said. And I swear, like, I had this feeling, and I was very young, so I didn't wasn't sure of myself. I was like, this feels weird. There's no way that we can actually do this thing. This is outlandish. This is so different from our capabilities, the resources we have, the timeline we have. Like, this is just total craziness, right? But no one was saying so. And usually, a lot of people may ask, like, okay, why, why was I speaking up? For a bunch of reasons. I don't want to look like an idiot, right? Like, I was super young. I was like, what do I know? Like, there are people like, who are more senior than me in the meeting. They are not speaking up, right? I didn't want to speak up and be wrong. And everyone looks at me and goes like, oh, uh, that's not what we were thinking at all. We can totally do this. Uh, I didn't want this executive to get mad at me because I was questioning somebody in a position of uh, uh, authority. So there's a few things kind of to, you know, uh, tangle up in there. But I think a lot of people can relate to this uh, uh, feeling where I was like, this feels weird, but okay, no mistake. So. And then this person next to me who was kind of a friend of mine, and he could have been much older than me. At the time, he feels older, but he was like in his mid-20s and, he was probably a bit early in his career too. He was definitely not anywhere near the most senior person in the room. He speaks up and he kind of stutters, he stutters a bit and he says, uh, I'm, you know, I just, maybe, you know, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm the only one here, but this feels like, this feels like, you know, way outside of our comfort zone. Like we can't actually do this for a bunch mm-hmm. of reasons. Mm-hmm. And there's this pause mm-hmm. in the room. And I was like, oh shit. Like he's really stepped into it now. But this exec, you know, he goes and says, oh my goodness, I so wish 
many others said this to me. You know, there's so many teams, yeah. you know, in your division who never push back. And then when push comes out, they don't ship the thing on time. I'm so happy you actually pushed back and said no, right? Now, the reason for this story is that, you know, this pattern of use and what I remember feeling from that moment is I was like, kind of one, admiration at my colleague. I was like, oh my goodness, he had sort of the, the courage to say that. I was also ashamed because I felt like, why, why didn't I say this? Because I felt the same thing and he was doing the exact same thing I did. And you know, I could have passed in the glory of the moment, right? Like of the adulation. And I think I sort of learned from that a little bit, but it also was really a muscle that I trained over time where when you're in any situation and where, especially I think group meetings, you have to trust your instinct when you feel that, oh, there is something that people are thinking, but not actually saying. Now, a lot of people, you know, have many reasons for saying this, thinking this, right? First is they go, okay, what if I say this and I'm wrong? Okay. It turns out that, you know, uh, if, you can, if you're not the most senior person in the room, that's perfectly fine because number one, most good organizations value honest input. They value mm-hmm. people trying to, you know, kind of push the search for truth forward. Also, if you're wrong, you kind of very quickly calibrate. If you're smart and capable, uh, you very quickly calibrate. Oh, okay. I was thinking X, but the research team was not thinking X. And well, you'll learn that next time and nobody will remember it and you'll be smarter. The team will be smarter uh, next time around. Now, I think there's something else which people think about, which is like, oh, but what if I get sort of punished? Um, and punished could, doesn't need to be explicit. It means like, oh, people think I'm a moron or, um, you know, I will get called out uh, or anything, number of things which could happen, right? I'm kind of challenging authority in some case. And yeah. I actually think that's also okay, right? And I'm not saying this in some sort of like moral courage, you have to be righteous. I, you know, when I post this on LinkedIn, I got a lot of people commenting and being like, yes, go speak truth to power. That is not what I'm saying at all. I think like the reason why it works out is there are two paths which can happen. One is you're in a good organization, right? Like, and in good organizations won't punish you. So if they actually wind up punishing you, you great, you're not a good organization, just leave, right? So it's kind of a fantastic signal that you're not in a healthy place. And by the way, I've actually been in places where I have senses over and over again, and I've left. And so the other case is if you're wrong, like I said, people actually learn from it, you learn from it. So now the other situation is when you're the most senior person. In the room. And you know, as I kind of got into, when I got a bit older, I found myself in the situations over, again, over and over again. It's actually way more important to say the thing which you think people are not saying because the dynamic is reversed. People are telling you what they think you want to hear and it's important for you to go, hey, maybe I'm like way off here, but is somebody thinking X, right? And A, you could be wrong, that's fine. But I think even if you're wrong, it's going to give people a sense of, oh, there are other things that we can talk about. But I don't know, but you've run into this a bunch of times also, I'm sure. Yeah, no, I had a few thoughts on this, right? One, on the surface, I think fully agree with the sentiment of like saying the unsaid, right? Like if anything, I think in our careers, we've often done that almost too much. So it, it kind of like, it, it actually hurts me to not speak the the truth that I have in my head. Like whether, you know, whatever I believe in, I have to go say it. But here is a few places where it hasn't worked out or places where, you know, I want to think about considerations, right? One is you talked about this boss or this manager who is, got this like terrible temper or generally does not like, you know, is like not really such a pleasant person to deal with. People are generally afraid of, you know, speaking truth to people like, like, you know, if you're not uh, going to be reciprocative of uh, feedback, uh, whatever that may be, you're just not going to attract the most honest opinions. And I think 
if you are that manager it is on you to create a culture where people can can debate and argue like the decision is yours but people should be able to talk freely about what they're thinking and you know as we become like as we've grown up in our ranks and careers and stuff that's something that I keep in mind right like you really have to like make it an open culture where people can actually disagree with each other and that's okay like you should talk about it because the worst thing to do especially in like a remote first culture is everyone's like says the right thing on zoom or doesn't say anything at all and then hangs up and then one-on-ones you're hearing oh my god why did why did they say that like that was so like you know and you just don't want that the other thing is i do think about like when i was much younger i do think about repercussions like it's very easy theoretically to be like just say the thing move on kind of thing and it's like no you've you we've all met that like one manager who basically you know at like the performance review times like kind of takes it on themselves to not promote this person or is just like goes out of their way to be a bit rude and uh, or will like we, even we, we're smiling like, here because we both know who Aarti and I are thinking about individually in our respective career journeys and also like the worst thing to do is to like they will go complain to your manager like their peers or something to be like oh this person such a pain and you don't you don't know how to deal with that especially if you're like much more junior i think it's very easy to be like just stand up and leave but you can't just leave jobs that's not a thing we'll have to create a path out and like you know start like looking or maybe move teams or do something of that sort but it's not often so easy to just be like i quit i'm i'm done you're an idiot and just go yeah. so i i don't know i think about that the other thing i think about is i've been in like cultures whether it's big companies or even small startups where the boss or the manager is just encourages this like culture where everybody around them become more and more sycophantic yes. like they're always like yes of course yeah whatever you say amazing and it's almost like grating you know that everyone's wrong you know that this person's wrong and it's all this like emperor's new clothes over oh, yeah. and over again where everyone just is so afraid to say the thing that is the most it's not even like some hidden metric or whatever it's like this very obvious thing that is wrong and often times it's again on that ceo or on that person to be like everyone's agreeing with me what is going on and just like I'll check around and make sure that they're not setting this like crazy culture where um no one ever speaks yes, up yeah i think and i have this phrase courtiers in the land of a king is what i would call it that phenomenon is very true and i think that happens quite yeah. often Uh I think yeah. one thing I've seen leaders often do is kind of bias to the other side. I saw this especially at one of my, you know, oh yeah, my first couple of years when I was at Twitter where you'd have a lot of people who have a lot of discussion, but since no one really wanted to make a decision, you kind of left the room being like, okay, a lot of people have different opinions. And I wish I knew this technique which I now know and employ. And this comes from Toby of Shopify, right? And Toby of Shopify had this thing where he goes into this meeting and he says we can come out with any decision we want right but the one thing we cannot do is come out of this meeting with the status quo and so it's kind of this amazing forcing function to yeah. make people pick a decision and because i will tell you and i i think you might agree empirically in our careers every single meeting um which where somebody has gone let's get more data before we make a decision the data was not necessary you knew what we had to yeah. do and nobody just didn't want somebody didn't want to hurt their feelings or whatever and you know the, the follow up meeting folks listen to me if somebody suggesting a follow up meeting send them to this episode where like you don't need that follow up meeting you know everything you need to know <laughs> to make that call 
right whatever it is uh, but the follow up meetings usually because you don't want to overrule somebody in the meeting and hurt their feelings which i understand and uh, but so i think the toby's framing of you have to make a decision which is not the status quo forces you yeah. into like a, a bias or action but this is a fascinating topic there's a lot to unpack there fear of repercussions uh the space to be intellectually honest there's lots to unpack there's kind of a so send me more thoughts and comments i think we might come back to this uh in future episodes yeah, i think for us you know like the, the big takeaway for me reading your tweet at least was one if you're like junior when i say junior it's like you've just started out in your career mm-hmm. um or you're just about growing up the ranks oftentimes it's hard for you to like say the thing or say the unsaid thing but weigh the consequences and you might actually come out better off by speaking the truth or saying the thing that is not being said because if the culture is good and the manager is like more you know they if it's if it's like a really good place to be oftentimes people will appreciate it and you will come out ahead and if nothing else you will feel good about yourself because you're not just keeping it all to yourself yes. which is um, i mean it's making we're going to make you happier right it'll make you happier yeah uh, and then especially if you're like future you want to be your own you know you want to be a founder you want to be your own boss this kind of culture sets you up for mm-hmm. that because you want to be out there just saying the thing that you believe in and not having to like hedge both ways and do stuff like that so that's kind of like what i would say if you're like much more younger in your career and if you are the senior manager or the boss or the ceo or whoever really think about what culture you're setting up and look around the room every time you have one of these like decision making meetings or a product roadmap review or one of these where are you really letting people especially the folks who have just joined the the folks who are like new to the company are you shutting them out are you encouraging their opinions because oftentimes the best ideas come from people who have just come yeah. in who don't who are not in the system too much so how do you actively have this culture of like getting people to debate but also knowing that the final decision is yeah. yours like you need to own the decision multiple great ceos i think are very good at this danny lek who's a friend and by the way danny if you're watching spotify is the best plat- podcast platform to consume this show <laughs> on it'll make you better looking give you abs uh and uh we, make you very attractive but uh you <laughs> were not paid by spotify says but you know i think mark andreessen does a lot where he speaks a lot uh he's usually the last person to speak in a meeting because you don't want to bias okay there's a lot to unpack there yeah. okay i want to get to the next item on our docket and this has been something yeah. that people have asked us for a long time and i think it's always people in a certain stage in their lives and yeah. we kind of hesitated to kind of talk about it because i don't know we felt like sometimes we didn't we kind of wanted to be private sometimes we didn't feel like we had you know we had enough like advice for people uh and the topic is you know how do you manage your kids and basically your work life i would say right Uh, yeah, how do you juggle the yeah. two? How do you spend your time? And I, I don't know about you, but this is probably the most asked question that we get. You know, it's kind of obvious. I get it. You know, we're a couple of your kids, and the reason I think we always kind of hesitate to talk about this until today is that we're like, well, we don't, we aren't, we, we're kind of figuring it out, and you know, we, you know, and it changes so quickly when you have young kids because the, you know the kids change so dramatically and quickly, and so we never felt the time was right. But I realize that I'm curious to get how we feel. I feel like, well, even the little that we have. is it's super helpful it could be super helpful to people because when we talk about in private people find it very helpful so i think we should do it now so i don't know but what do you what do you think about the whole topic yeah um again this is a super personal topic kind of timely for us right now too because you know we just moved everyone over to a different country different city and just started over like reset everything we get this a lot i get this a lot particularly from like other 
new moms, other couples, um, you know, how do you manage both your kids' lives and, you know, making sure that you are a good parent to them uh, and a successful career, like work, and then, you know, all the extra stuff that we do, like podcasts and networking and all that other stuff, like how do you manage all of it? Uh, I get this a lot, almost to a point where I almost wanted to like start a series around this. Like, I, I think I can speak for both of us where we both are kind of the personality type that we do not want to give up our careers, right? Like we really like working, working hard, doing what we do. We like building things. And our entire lives, you know, this was a dream to come here and like do all of this. And so it's not something that we are willing to go trade off in any possible way. Like, you know, I don't want to. And this might not be the same for everybody who's listening here. You know, you might have a different equation on what success for you, that kind of thing. So for us, you know, the, our careers and our work life is important. And that's like, it's, it's one of those like foundational frameworks for us. The other thing, our kids are very young. They are one in four. It's tough, right? And we want to make sure that we are good parents to them in the sense we spend a lot of time with them. We are able to do, you know, like quantifiably as many like breakfasts and dinners with them, put them to bed. Uh, for me, it's like cooking for them, like that kind of thing. So making sure that we are actually spending quality time with them kind of thing. And that's not negotiable either. Uh, and then, you know, we do travel. We travel with the kids. We travel by ourselves. We have to go figure out all of that. And, you know, it's, uh, especially uh, our first kid was born in 2019. 2020 was COVID. But 2019, we traveled so much, going to India many times, all of that. And so we had to go. We, we were kind of this pressure tested mode of like figuring it out with the first kid that when we had the second kid, it kind of got a little bit easier. So I'm saying all of this because our lives and our uh, framework might not be the same as what you want and what you're thinking. But for us, and when we get people reaching out, especially the people who typically reach out to us are, hey, me and my husband or me and my wife, we have a small, a small kid or we have two small children. We work at tech jobs. We work long hours. Um, I don't know how you do this. It's been very hard. We don't know how to have quality time with the kids and also focus on our careers and do traveling. How do you manage that? That kind of thing. That's typically who we get reached out to. But this is not to say you can't have other permutations of this. We've seen, yep. you know, stay-at-home parents who've like figured this out and it's really hard for them to and so on and so forth. So not to negate out everybody. Yeah, else. I think that's an important point. I would say just as sort of a little bit of a preamble. This topic is tricky because there are a few things. One is this is intensely personal and everyone makes different life choices. So think of this as the yeah. choices we have made and we're obviously evolving yeah. and we learn and change every year. Second is we have a certain age group of kids so we will with either, you know, infants and, you know, our we, we are a little bit of a toddler now and, you know, young kid and there are people, older kids, this wouldn't apply. And obviously, as our kids age up and we age up with them, our opinions will change. And maybe finally, uh, you know, we have access to resources that a lot of people may not have or may not choose to yeah. uh, utilize. And that changes dynamics. So even with all those parameters, I think it's useful to talk about, uh, you know, what we do. So I think maybe let's kind of attack this topic by topic, which is what yeah. is like a typical week? look like you know for you for us with our four-year-old like in, let's say in San Francisco because I think maybe our London life is still like evolving yeah London life is still we are only like a few weeks in it's still in flux our we British accent is still work in progress 
<laughs> Although I did hear our daughter say tomato the other day and it blew me away. I'm like, you're a couple weeks in. How do you have an accent? I know. And she's like, what is Spanish? Um, and, uh, and I say brilliant Spanish at the end Chinese. of every sentence. We're, we're getting there. Yeah. yeah. You're getting yeah. there. And, uh, so by the way, I just want to school. say, for those of you who get mad at my accent, right? Like, you know, I'm like, hey, I have no control over it, right? But thank you for the comments. I'm very sensitive. <laughs> Okay, San Francisco, if you're still living there, what's a typical week like? Uh, we'll start the week from Sunday, right? Sunday is like both really busy because it's a time that we actively just spend with the kids. We don't have any, we don't do dinners. We don't go out. It's like the time when I think Shriram will take one of the kids out, get breakfast with the kids yeah. um, and uh, do like, you know, he has his own like alone time with one of the kids. Uh, and I'll do something similar with the second kid. We kind of prep like all afternoon, evening is basically just prep for the week. And we figure out everything from what do we need to do? Are we going to travel this week? Uh, if I'm traveling, then I make sure that we have everything set up for the children. Um, everything from like food, all of that stuff put together and then work. You know, Mondays are always really busy. So Sunday is when we like catch up and I get as close to inbox zero Shriram actually gets to inbox zero he's always at inbox zero it's kind of bizarre he's always doing email so it, you can test this if you send Shriram an email he will reply pretty near instantly it's kind of insane how he does I, 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 I don't know what wow. the okay, let's keep I, I like that people think that let's keep yeah let, let's keep it rolling let's keep it rolling I've seen your inbox Shriram it's, it's insane. No, I have a lot of inboxes okay people reach out to me through all sorts of means like you know Sliding in my DMs about Taylor Swift. So there we go. Yeah. So Sunday is all about like just prep work. And uh, I really need that because I don't like getting into Monday feeling rushed or feeling unprepared. I'm also a bit of a control freak that way. So there's a lot of that. Um, and look, uh, the other thing, that this is the thing that we when it comes to like financial status and wealth and that kind of thing. We have nannies. Yeah. We have people who can help us. Right. And uh, uh, in San Francisco, Monday to Friday, we had a full time nanny who would just come in. And full-time is basically morning to evening. And she would really help us. Like, I, there were days when I would spend more time talking to her and working with her than with Shriram. And so it was very helpful to have that, especially if you have multiple kids and one has to get go off to preschool and the other stays at home or has to go to some story time class or whatever. And you kind of have to, like, juggle schedules and figure it out. And so... um I would do all the food prep and everything Sunday. Monday morning when she comes in, I would tell her this is what is there, blah, blah, blah. Breakfast, I'm always around for the kids. Uh, if I'm doing calls, which is like pre-8 a.m. kind of calls, then uh, I would try and do it video off. Okay. Uh, mostly because uh, I still want to like make sure that I'm around with the kids as much as possible. Even if I'm doing a phone call, at least they know that I'm around yeah. with them. Yeah. Um, very rarely, I would have to just like Go off, lock myself in my room to just do like very. But it's hilarious to Arthi to be surrounded by like you know like a three-year-old girl's toys in bed and you know be on a very serious Zoom meeting, which is like I know there's like a big giraffe yes. stuffed toy. Sends a message like don't mess with no, the giraffe will come get you. Um, you know I think you're saying something interesting, which is uh, and folks with kids will know this so well. Uh, which is the only way you can survive with kids is you have a, a routine, right? And yeah. I think we try very hard to stay to the routine as much as possible. Mostly for the kids' sake, yeah. I think it gives them an anchor. It gives them something to look forward to. And I think it's just really important. And we try and stay involved in much of the element. And I think the core elements of routine are Saturday and Sunday, parents are at home. We are not working, mostly. Yeah. Some things do come up, but we are not working. And then we can hang out with them. When we had just one kid, we could both hang out with our daughter. When we had two kids, we did man-to-man -man defense, where... 
we kind of both switched and, you know, we would do different things with our uh, kids when possible. Uh, we would also be very careful about like Saturdays and days when possible, trying to allocate time for ourselves. I think it's very important as parents, as a couple, to stay connected, to have time, to schedule time when possible. And we spend money, resources, etc. to make sure like at least even if it's like, you know, we have this term called coffee shop time where we go to a coffee shop, open up our laptops and watch a podcast or chit chat or whatever it is. But it's, I think, a very important bonding time. And then during the week, it's sort of the craziness of Monday morning breakfast or the week breakfast. Yeah. And uh, I think both of us try and avoid having too many meetings early in the morning. Things do happen, but... Yeah, so I was going to say, if I do, if I have to do very early morning meetings, I do it before the kids wake yeah. up. So it'll be like 5 a.m., 6 a.m., that kind of thing. I'm willing to do that as a trade-off than, you know, have it during the time when they're up and awake because I really do want to spend the morning, even if it's like 30 minutes to an hour with them. Yeah, uh, that's true. And so that's, that's something that we try that's to true. do. That's true. And then in the evening, you know, I would say roughly, say, 5.30, 5.45 to you know, 6.37. And every family has different bedtimes. Um, that's not the bedtime. That's badness because that is, you know, um, uh, feed, feed the kids, uh, food on the floor, uh, you know, um, and all hands on deck situation. That's where, you know, some, I think uh, the nanny is also uh, really helpful uh, when she's around in San Francisco. And then when the kids are in bed, then hopefully they're sleeping. Um, and then it's kind of parents' time and, you know, we're kind of watching TV and catching up. But I do think that routine and knowing what days of the week, what are you doing? And that is very important. I think our daughter, you know, who's, you know, who's a bit older, like she's four and she can understand it. She, she looks forward to things and recognize things and plan her own things. And uh, and also, I think, honestly, it gives us an anchor. I always note like something about Mark Zuckerberg is, you, I don't know, you, you must remember this, like Zuckerberg always talk about, I don't know which kid, might be his first, you know, one of the uh, Roman uh, uh, generals, the Emperor. uh, emperors that he's named yeah. his kids after. And but he said like he always makes it a point that him and Priscilla split up duties where he would do bad time with the kids, right? Like and yeah. uh, you know and it is so and so I think this routine, so little thing, bedtime routine, story routine, whatever they are, they're super important and they don't take a lot yeah, of time. The kids want it too. I think the kids really want that as well. Like the kids kind of push us to have this thing, and uh, for our older kid especially, she doesn't like surprises she will tell us like hey, just tell me what you're going to do tomorrow kind of thing so if I'm traveling I tell her as early as I know so that she can prep for it like yeah. that kind of thing but yeah evening you know that that hour to hour and a half window is kind of chaotic if I do calls and sometimes I do calls during that I will tell them ahead of time be like hey 30 minutes I just need to hop on this call I'll be in this room but you know you you will hear me but I'll be back kind of thing so set the expectations there yeah. Screen time, uh, we're not great at it, oh, to be honest. This is a controversial um, topic. If you the MBA thing was controversial, just wait until we get this story. No, I think uh, we should talk about it, right? Like, I think uh, we used to do 45 minutes a day, every day for our kid, mm. for our older kid, screen time. And then we thought, especially evening for dinner, because we, we both are tired. We're just like, here, here's a screen, mm -hmm. watch something. And it's usually some annoying, like, Paw Patrol episode or something. Oh, come on. Paw Patrol uh, is amazing. Uh, well... In doses. They have a new movie which just came out, by the way. It's doing really well. We might have to. Yeah, so um, it's usually that. But then we realized that it was really overstimulating her right before bedtime. Mm -hmm. So now we've cut it down to three days a week. And surprisingly, she's fine yes. with it. So, um, so three days a week, 45 minutes a day, we'll do something. And then Sriram plays video games with her like weekends. By the way, uh, before I get to video games, I want to say, can we talk about Bluey? Funny you mentioned <laughs> this. You know, Bluey is such a... Um, in a um, is such a common cultural touchstone. I heard it mentioned on every podcast. Even, even for grown-ups, yes, even yes. for grown-ups, it's not just for children. Yes. I mean, I, it's one of those kids shows that I don't mind sitting around with my kids and watching. Yes. That's because it's the storylines 
beautiful. The music's great. Yeah. You know, it's just like in seven minutes, they pack so much. So if you haven't seen Bluey. Yeah, so, so those of you who haven't seen it, Bluey is a animated cartoon series done out of Australia. Uh, follows roughly the story of like this family with uh, two daughters, actually. We didn't know the gender, I think, fairly recently. And you didn't know the gender. You're always surprised. You'll be like, that's Yeah, but they have a funny yeah. difference. Like, for example, they never refer to somebody's age until recently. There's a little fourth wall breaking. But I would say it's probably one of the best pieces of TV done in any genre recently. And mm-hmm. parents in Bluey know exactly what I'm talking about. People have not seen it. be like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And um, and it's amazing how it has become a cultural touchstone, right? Like, and uh, yeah. so that's, we, we, you know, I think our daughter watches, uh, both our kids watch some of that. I've been getting my goddaughter at 80s G.I. Joe. Video games has been uh, also a thing. Um, I think the uh, I I actually think like the routines are as good for the parents as well as it for the kids. And look, I want to be honest, yeah. right? I want to break down this routine because I don't tell people what we do, but also mean make a lot of sacrifices. Like for example, like when somebody, say a founder, pings me at like 5 p.m. and say, "Hey, do you want to grab a drink today at 7:30?" I'm like, I know for a fact you don't have kids because you would not ask that, you know, if you had a kid, unless it's an emergency or something, which is always understandable. But you know, there is no parent who casually on the day off goes like, "Let's go out for a drink at 7:30." That's like peak mad kid time. But I will say, you know, okay, so a couple things because of our structure and routine that we do is we actually host a lot of founders at home, right? Like, and uh, we do dinners with them. But what we'll do is it'll be like a Thursday or a Friday or something like that. And we would ask them to come at eight, uh, something like that. So that, you know, the first kid is in bed and asleep uh, or the, the the youngest one. And then the second one, our daughter, uh, for her, she would like stay up for ten minutes or so, and uh, and you know we'll have these people come home, and they'll hang out with her for like the first ten yeah. fifteen minutes. I think part of why we do that is one, you know, we like hosting founders and hosting you know folks at home who are like kind of like us, and so we don't want to give that up. And they are flex if they're flexible enough to come in at eight o'clock, why not? Right, like we do it. But two, for our daughter too, we want her to know that we are people with normal lives who, you know, will have, will meet other people. It's not like we're living in this like isolation where our life revolves around Zoom meetings and kids. And so it's good for her to see, you know, we have other friends, we have people who'll come home and we do dinners with them. And, you know, early on she used to be like, they came all this way to eat pizza and then they will leave. And uh, and we're like, yeah, sure. But they're also here to talk yes. to us and we're going to, going to talk to them. And she's like, okay, okay, I don't understand. But yeah, sure. Our daughter has been exposed I to just... many typical San Francisco conversations from, uh, you know, you know, various trends in crypto to will AGI kill us all? Quite a good input for a three-year-old. No, but I think it's important to for kids to know that this is what the parents do. Uh, and these are who the parents work with or talk to, that kind of thing, because you kind of think you're protecting them a little bit by not exposing them. But really, yep. was, you know, the sooner they're like a part of this whole thing, the better yeah. it is for both I sides. I think one... So we do that. One yeah. bit I want to get into is, well, over time is uh, travel with kids. I, I think one of the things we decided early on was that uh, we are going to try and do all the travel that we wanted to with our then, yeah. you know, daughter who was, you know, uh, and kind of when she was an infant. And I think the first trip we made, which was a month old, and, you know, we all kind of yeah. like threw ourselves into, uh, you know, I think with the grandparents, we might have been there. Uh, and then yeah. we flew to Seattle. You know, you do a lot of the sort of the planning and preparation around travel. My day on travel with kids is, is very much a muscle, where if you haven't done it, it's daunting and it becomes more daunting over time. And there are definitely periods when it's really hard because, you know, post them staying in just a car seat, but free them watching a screen during the flight is definitely like the really awkward paces. 
But I think the more you do it, like it's a muscle, you get better at it. And it's just so amazing for them. They get used to it. You get used to it. And you can kind of live the life that you always had with the kids also. Exactly. I think uh, I've often seen new parents who like kind of save up the travel with the kids for a while. They'll be like, oh, when it gets easier, Nick, it's not going to get easier. You're going to have to just do it. Uh, and uh, you will get better at it. Your kids will get used to it. Uh, don't worry so much about that like flight. Start with a short distance flight, like an hour or two hours out. And then you can slowly build muscle as you go longer and longer distances. I think for us, for uh, our first kid, Indra, we um, did this. Uh, uh, we had to go to India. And uh, to plan for that, like India trip was like when she was going to be five months old. So at six weeks, we took her to a trip to Seattle uh, from San Francisco, which is fairly short. And then we did a trip to New York. Uh, and then we did a trip to Europe uh, because we had to do some like some work travel came up. That was like month three or month four. And then we yes. did this trip to India. So by then, the 24-hour trip didn't feel as daunting because we had done this a few times. And, you know, I mean, every parent who's been through this knows the whole deal with airports and strollers and foldable strollers. And I can give you like all oh, the yes, advice on what. And you will have this kind of list of airlines and airports which are kidfully or not. And for the. Those of you on the West Coast who are flying to India, which is maybe a lot of, uh, it's a very specific audience, you got to fly to Dubai because of all the airlines and the airports, they are probably the most kid-friendly. Uh, and you yeah. start judging, actually, you actually you figure out very quickly which airline, which you know airports are very kid-friendly and which are not. But Yeah, but also like have the right tools in your toolkit, like get the right things. Some of these you'd, you'd be surprised because people don't talk about it on like the kind of... Uh, car seats you get or strollers you get and what you can put in the seat and what you can put on top on you know the stowaway and that kind of thing and so you just have to like know what everyone else is doing and kind of get informed a bit and just build that muscle like sure you're worried about other passengers being annoyed by your kid crying or whatever but you it'll be fine trust me like you'll get through this they'll get through this it's not that long and um, even as harrowing as it can seem at during that time you'll come out of this just being like a lot more resilient about future travel. And so I, the only tip I have for you is like travel with your children. Don't save it up for some other time down the road because the older, it's never going to get easier. Yeah. And the more you do it, they're going to get used to it and they're going to feel like this is a normal thing to do. It is, it is a muscle. For folks who don't have kids, I'm sorry that we took half the episode just talking about handling work and kids. But this is important. Like we get a lot of people just reaching yeah, out about yeah. this. And, uh, and you know, you know we, it's not we just to be a little sort of yeah. like shy about touching these topics. We'd be like, well, a lot of people have different choices. But then it is, well, you know. More power to you, but I think for people who kind of made the same choices we have, you know, maybe there's something you can take away from this, which is helpful. You know, obviously, you know, knowing yeah, that exactly. everyone is, you know, obviously going to go down their own path. Before that, I have something which we did not prepare for, Arthi. Just, okay. This was one of the most requested topics in my Instagram DMs by a lot of people who slid in, which is, what are your thoughts on America's new royal couple, aka Travis Kilty and Taylor Swift? <laughs> why why are you asking I, i'm the least qualified person of all people no you're not to talk no you're not it. i mean you don't taylor you listen to you know the kelsey brothers on the podcast you may not yeah I, i'm a fan what can i say i'm a fan do i you, think do uh, you ship them together is it what the young people say i'm trying to sound cool i listen to taylor swift i you know i listen to the kelsey brothers podcast i love the kelsey brothers yes. podcast you know i don't follow a lot of football every once in a while when shriram's watching it i'll just have my laptop in front and just pretend to watch it but the podcast is a whole other game right like these people are like 
it's it's amazing to see them not just be the footballers, but being dads, being husband, being like a normal human being, a family person. Uh, I think is is it's it, it's tough to have a very busy schedule. Where you know do these like workouts all the time, be super fit, really think about like what you're eating and all of that, and then do this like very human podcast where it makes you so relatable. So I love the podcast. It makes me feel like I know them. And then you know, I obviously I, I like Taylor. Swift. I'm a Swifty. I love Taylor Swift. Uh, I love it. And uh, I love her music. And so yeah, I'm happy for them. We'll see how it goes. I'm happy for uh, well, them. Well, yes, I think first of all, the podcast you're as you Adi pointed out is amazing. And so it, the New Heights podcast, which I think as we speak is the number one on every podcast listing, uh, is fantastic. Uh, in fact, you know, I don't get a chance to watch a lot of the Chiefs games or the Eagles games, but they, uh, Travis and his brother Jason. Um, I think one of the tricks to that podcast is that they're so likable. And even if you don't follow football, you just have a lot of fun uh, watching them yeah. and seeing how they deal with their, you know, kind of their profession, but also their family. And it's great. I actually think the podcast leads a little bit into the relationship because uh, I think without a podcast, I don't think you'd actually get a sense of uh, the family as much. Travis, his brother, mm-hmm. uh, maybe yeah. America's favorite mom at the moment, uh, their mom, Donna. But you, they also kind of get got to do the whole storyline through the podcast as well, right? Like they kind of yeah. uh, made fun of some of the rumors, and then uh, I think about forty minutes into the last week's episode, uh, they got to talk about uh, Travis and Taylor. I'm a fan, you know. I love all the memes uh, of you know people like, hey, you know, Taylor's putting Travis on the map on TikTok. Arthi and I, we wish the couple well. There you go. I I can't believe anybody else would want anything other than that. You know, what's not to like? Okay. Here's a question I know we did not prepare for. As somebody who's been in a relationship for quite a while, right? <laughs> what advice do you have for this young couple as oh they God, no. set off on no, their no. path of romance? No, no, no. I, Shriram, you and I both know we are so bad at this stuff. Like, we are... We are bad at rom- very uh, bad. romantic advice for other couples, yes. We have a very yes. bad track record. All right. We, uh, <laughs> no, we should not even go there. That is not a pivot for this show that is going to go you well know, you never know well travis taylor we wish you the best and but i i think apart from that the, their podcast uh travis and brother new heights it's fantastic uh the people behind it uh wave and brian they're all fantastic uh great team behind them hugely recommended Wh- whoever follows shriram on ig stop sending him stuff like this because you're just encouraging this man like don't do it oh, it's, great. it's not healthy it's great there's only so much mba hit you can get this is fantastic all right this is great you know look if you have thoughts questions please into my DMs. Or other topics. Yes. You know, we get inspiration from your comments and your topics. One, leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify because that's the one place people can discover us. And then two, leave us comments on what you would like us to go cover next. Um, and, you know, we, we read every one of them. We try to reply to every one of them. Uh, so we really appreciate it. So if there are things that you would like us to go cover, tell awesome. us. Awesome. Well, this is a blast. Until next week. Peace out. See you.